came here to say that you don't really want it with us. Yeah. We love you know. We came here to say that you don't really want it with us. Yeah. yeah. The sports show. Yeah. Yeah. What's going on, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome back to another episode of the Year Sports Show. I am your host, Big Baby. AKA the soul of RB. And I'm back with my lovely cast of bandmates. To my right, the Queen, Queen Tay. What's going on, everybody? And to my front, the professor, the voice of a generation, Pete Rosado. What's up? As you see, I'm over here writing notes. Sports never stops getting breaking news right now. So just had to throw that in there. Yeah. Um, and our boy BK Matt is. On the minutes restriction this week, he'll be back <laughs> next week. Um, uh, load management. For load this management, guys. So, um, what's going on this week? Um, it wasn't too much sports to talk about, but until uh, the end of the week. Until the end of the week, yeah. like we, we were putting stuff together. I'm, we're usually done with everything by like 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 Thursday, early Friday, and then Friday night stuff starts to come out, <laughs> and it's like, oh, Yo, so much that. broke. On like Thursday night, Friday morning, Friday night, it was ridiculous. I think you and I were talking because we usually run through some of our first drafts for stuff like around Wednesday. You and I usually yeah. have a conversation around Wednesday with like first drafts, and it was just like, "Yo, this is gonna be a like, we only have like two or three main topics. What are we gonna talk about?" Boom, 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 and then like literally late Wednesday night, early Thursday morning, bang, 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 it just started hitting. Right after you know we, we do the um the midweek sweep in the middle of the week it drops on Thursday, and then when I'm finished with it stuff starts to come out and it's like oh all right this couldn't have been done yesterday <laughs> 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 I was searching for stuff <laughs> the wide world of sports yeah yeah um speaking of you know what I was I was playing this week that my that voice just reminded me of I was playing NBA Jam this week NBA Jam um yes. I love, I love that voice is so iconic. And not only that, the I gotta find it on my phone because yes, I still have ringtones on my phone. But I do too. Yeah, yeah. Um, I need to get the NBA on NBC theme. I got it. That is like the greatest intro ever. I don't care what TNT does. I don't care what ESPN does. ABC Christmas. That NBA on NBC theme is iconic. Oh, it is. It is. So, um. Y'all ready? Let's do it. Pete, world famous, quick hits. Let's get it popping. All right, let's go. And let's start with the really big news out of Major League Baseball happened just yesterday. The Miami Marlins hires the first ever female and Asian general manager and the first female in the history of the big four sports at basketball, baseball, football, and hockey. First female general manager anywhere, 51-year-old Kim Ang. She was, for the last nine years, the senior vice president of baseball operations for Major League Baseball's main offices. She's been an assistant general manager for both the Yankees under Brian Cashman. Started in 1998, uh, was there for four years, won three titles with them as an assistant GM. Also helped renegotiate contracts for Paul O'Neill, Derek Jeter, and Bernie Williams, and then went on to be an assistant GM for the Dodgers. Kim started as an intern with the Chicago White Sox way back in the day, moving her way up to now being the GM of the Miami Marlins. And that connection with Jeter. Jeter was the first ever black CEO in baseball when he uh, became the owner of the Miami Marlins, hiring 
Kim Ang. Really big move there. And, and hopefully the start of a movement for women in higher management levels uh, in across all four sports. Continuing with Major League Baseball, the Cy Young Awards and MVP Awards came up this week. Cleveland's Shane Bieber and Cincinnati's Trevor Bauer, who's now a free agent actually, won the Cy Youngs this year. And uh, Chicago first baseman D.H. Jose Abreu and Atlanta first baseman Freddie Freeman winning the MVP Awards for this year. Moving on. To the NFL and college football, Browns activated running back Nick Chubb off the injured uh, injured reserve this week. He will possibly be playing in this Sunday's game. Uh, when Cleveland had Nick Chubb before he went on injured reserve, they led the NFL with 205 rushing yards per game, uh, at least 25 more yards than any other team in the NFL. So Nick Chubb now coming back, Kareem Hunt going to be able to move back to that backup spot. Four NCAA college football games were canceled or postponed this week. Sorry, five. I apologize. Five games canceled or postponed this week due to COVID-19 precautions, including such big games as Alabama versus LSU. Wow. That game postponed due to COVID-19, including Georgia, Mizzou, Texas A&M, Tennessee, Ohio State, and Maryland, Auburn, and Mississippi State. Saying in the NCAA, my man, the man that you plays to win the game, Herm Edwards, tested positive for uh, COVID-19 this week. The head coach of Arizona State's uh, NCAA football team, uh, Herm Edwards, most notably known as the former coach of the New York Jets, uh, testing positive for COVID-19 this week. And lastly, in the NCAA, Penn State running back Journey Brown, junior running back out of Penn State, has to retire from football due to a heart condition that will keep him out of uh, organized sports. He was uh, diagnosed with hydrotrophic cardiomyopathy and will be unable to play football, has to retire um, as a junior running back at Penn State. Finishing off with the NBA, as you know, we are rushing fast towards the draft and towards the beginning of the new season right now, scheduled to start in December. Big news, though, the Raptors looking to possibly play in Tampa if they cannot play in Toronto due to government concerns with crossing the border. And right now, it does not look like the NBA is going to go into bubble again. So they might be doing some kind of traveling. So Toronto looking to possibly play in Tampa if they can't play in their home field of Toronto. Lakers looking at have already announced they will play this season with no fans at home games in the Staples Center wow. at all. They are going to play the season with no fans, though the Golden State Warriors in the same state as the L.A. Lakers have decided to go forward with a plan that will at least allow 50 percent fan capacity. I think that's fair, especially with the recent news of the vaccine um, coming out. I think they made those plans before learning about the 90 percent. Um, effective vaccine that Pfizer mysteriously announced right after the election. Mysteriously, right? Yeah. Very, very true. Yes, right. Right before, right before we get to the new year. Right. Uh, two big assistant coach moves this week in the NBA. Tim Duncan, legendary Spur. Tim Duncan leaving his position as the assistant coach for the uh, San Antonio Spurs. Many people within the organization felt like he took the position as a favor of Greg Popovich, but coaching wasn't really in his spirit. So Duncan leaving the bench after one season, but joining the bench for the Miami Heat this year will be Karan Butler. Tough juice, tough juice. Being hired as an assistant coach for the Miami Heat. 
And, and you know why I think that happened? Because Udonis Haslam is deciding to come back for an 18th season. So Haslam going to play again. Because you know when Haslam retires from the Miami Heat, there will be an assistant coach job waiting for that man on that bench. Right. Um, he should own the team. <laughs> <laughs> Two last pieces. He spent of- half of his career on the bench. So This is true. One, the- moving one seat over. <laughs> You know, <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're right, you're right. Two, <laughs> two more stories uh, in quick hits. I know this is a little bit of a rarity to hear, but I'm keeping track of it. Currently leading at 14 under par, Dustin Johnson, uh, number one position in the Masters tournament going on. We just Four- read yeah. now, right? 14. <laughs> hey, the Masters is going, it is the biggest golf tournament of the year. Okay, I showed you the shot that took place during that practice that shot round. Was crazy. That, that shot, shot was beautiful. That shot was sick. Uh, 14 under, and, and listen, Tiger Woods is still in contention. Black man playing golf. We got to talk about golf. Have okay. you guys ever played golf before? Mini golf. I've so I've played so I, I want to go to Top Golf one day, but uh, I've played mini golf. I'm a beast at mini golf. I tried actually swinging a regular golf club once, and the problem is I played baseball all my life. So yes, with yes. me, I start with the good with a good form on on the down on the on the upswing, but then when I'm coming back on the downswing, all of a sudden I start thinking I'm swinging for baseball. It's swinging for Fun the wall. Fun fact: right. I know how to play golf really well. Actually, I'm telling you, you're a vampire. I know. I, you've been okay. alive 200 years. You've done everything, <laughs> and you still look like you're 24. Thank you. Right. Right, right, right. I know I play golf actually pretty well. I can listen. I'll tell y'all this before. Tay know how to do everything. Tay, <laughs> Tay the Power Ranger too. Like she a vampire. That's what she is. Not a vampire. No, she's no, a Power Ranger. No, I'm she, like she a vampire. She's been alive for 200 years. She, that's why she still looks 24. She ain't age because she a vampire. Vampires don't age, right? And she a day walker. That's how she able to come out and do the show. That's right. True, um, true, true, true. And the last piece of news on this week's quick hits, unfortunately, this happened very early in the week. Sad news out of the NBA as Celtics legend and Hall of Fame player and coach Tommy Heinsohn passed away at the age of 86 years old this week. He was a player, a coach, and longtime broadcaster for Mm -hmm. the Boston Celtics, the only member of the Boston Celtics family to actively be involved with all 17 championships of the Boston Celtics throughout their history, either as a player, a coach, or a broadcaster. He spent 60 years with the team. He played with Bill Russell. His rookie season was the same as Bill Russell's. And guess who won the rookie of the year? Tommy Heinsohn, not Bill Russell. Back in 1956, and then he succeeded Russell on the Celtics bench, uh, handpicked by Red Auerbach Mm -hmm. to succeed Russell as the coach of the Boston Celtics and one coach of the year in 1973. Tommy Heinsohn, Celtics legend in the Hall of Fame as a player and a coach, passed away this week at the age of 86. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is the year quick hits for the week of November, what's today, the 15th? 14th. 14th. There we go. I was off by then. Good job. Good so, job. well, what a big week for women. Yes. Two big wins. We're getting our first half black, half Asian American in the White House. Mm-hmm. And then our first woman, our first Asian American woman leading the uh, team in the um, MLB. Um, and the first woman leading a team in any of the four major sports. Yeah, that's sports. a big thing. Touched on that. Um, I think that it's amazing that even though 2020 has been a dumpster fire of a year, um, the glass ceiling for women and especially also women of color seems as if it's shattering just a bit. There's a little hole there. Um, So congratulations to Kim Ng. Uh, Congratulations to Kamala Harris. And um, I think that since she has such an extensive career in baseball, she's been in the, the MLB basically in so many different 
position since 1991, starting as an intern. Yes. And then now it's we have to see where this goes. You know, I think it's amazing. I think that I'm proud that the MLB kind of took that stance and and became the first. And I think that it's awesome. I and think about who did it too. Derek Jeter, the man who became the uh, first the first black CEO the best. in baseball when he the took over the Melrose. Best. The best. The GOAT, the greatest of all time, my favorite we're baseball player. We're, we're my favorite, stuff. favorite. And I'm not surprised that it came from Jeter. I'm not surprised at all. You know, and it's and so, so Jeter uh Jeter uh, brings Don Mattingly. Over to the Marlins, mm-hmm. uh, wins manager of the year this year when the Marlins surprisingly make the playoffs. Mind you, the Marlins were taking players off of, you know, off the streets to play this year because they lost like half their team to COVID. Yeah. Right. Um, it sounded like the Nets in right. the playoff. Like. <laughs> Don Mattingly wins coach of the year. <laughs> and you then, played at Rucker? Yeah. Come on. And then, you played? Right. All right. <laughs> and and then, uh, listen, I was, I was half expecting the Nets to sign Woody Harrelson. To reprise his role from semi pro. Oh my god! Okay, <laughs> to come in, um, but um, but no, you have the the Don Malley wins Coach of the Year, uh, leading that team this year, and then uh, Derek Jeter goes ahead and says, "Hold my beer, let me one up that." Hires the first ever female general manager in the sport, um, in any of the sports at that. You know, we've talked about before. Becky Hammond might be next in line. To be the coach of the Spurs, yes. After Pop retires in a million years, um, but I, I wonder how much this hiring of Kimang is going to speed up the process for women in coaching positions, in management positions across the sports. We've seen women owners, which is great. We've seen female owners across uh, the sports over the years, but to lead a team, to be the head decision maker for a team, to be a coach of a men- listen, I watched NCAA basketball and one of my favorite coaches of all time, God rest her soul, legendary Tennessee coach, Pat Summit. Oh yeah. And I always wondered, I was like, man, I wonder how many butts Pat Summit would kick if she coached the men's team. Cause I feel like Pat Summit could have easily coached a men's team in college and, and won championships in men's college basketball. She could have took the, ten, the, the men's right. Tennessee team. And I sometimes think, I wonder how Pat Summit would have like fared in an NBA. Like, I feel like Pat Summit, like who are you as a player to say, I don't want to learn from Pat Summit. Right. Like Pat Summit is, is it was a genius mm-hmm. uh, and she was great. And so I always wondered, you know, especially a lot of our female coaches, how they would do in males, in the male side of the sports and what they would do as the head decision makers. I, I am looking forward to the NBA Mm-hmm. Hiring their first female GM one day. Yeah, I think it's gonna be a long time before the NFL does it. For sure, a super long time. But the, in in the NFL, well, they have they the have assistant, assistant coach for the San Francisco 49ers, mm-hmm. and she's awesome. And there's another one for the Carolina Panthers, right? Too. So I, I don't think it's too far off, right? But I think it'll take more time, like you said, for the NFL because. You'd be surprised though, as a head decision maker, only, like as 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 misogynistic as the NFL can be with the owners, like only because it's a billionaires' boys' club, yeah. There and and like like I said, it is for most sports, but the NBA, the MLB, maybe maybe hockey might might incorporate it as well. It's just I think that it it will happen in those sports before it would need to NBA. make. But you know what? It'll also need to make sense, right? Let's just be honest. You know, it's not just misogyny and stuff like mm-hmm. that. You know, when you have someone like Kim Ng, who's been in the field for 30 years, mm-hmm. yeah. you get what I'm saying? It it should have been happened. Right. And she's had multiple interviews before. 
Wow. Yeah, she's been interviewed before. She's her name has been bandied about for GM positions before. Mm-hmm. Um, and about twenty something years ago, I think somebody in MLB, somebody for a team, I forget who, um, and I don't want to uh, misname the team, got fired for making fun of her being a, a female Asian woman, um, and got straight up fired by Major League Baseball. As it, as they should, you gotta respect everybody. Yeah. But um, I'm looking forward to see what Miami's gonna do with her because I I think she's gonna be. I, I know of some things that she did with the Yankees when she was with us mm-hmm. from 98 to, I believe, 2001, 2002, mm-hmm. um, to have the faith of Brian Cashman, to have yes. the faith of George Steinbrenner, to be able to re- renegotiate contracts with players like O'Neal and Jeter and things yeah, like yeah. that, and to have those players still talk highly of her. You know she knows what she's doing. She's going to be no yeah. nonsense. Yeah. I am really looking forward to what she does as the general manager of the Miami Marlins. I agree. But while we're looking forward to the Marlins, I'm actually looking forward to what the net, the Mets will be doing this season with um uh with their new owner. Uh, apparently, he believes that the Mets should win a championship within the next 5 years. If not, it will be a disappointment. Um Steve Cohen is making a lot of uh he's putting a lot of checks out there. Yeah. Um he's also been on Twitter and social media in general, asking the public what they would like to see, what are more things that the organization could do. Um, Tay, I'm going to start with you on this. You've watched baseball, for, yeah, and we we know the Mets to Met a lot. What do you think of this proclamation or this this suggestion that they, if they don't win within five years, it would be a disappointment. Well, being he needs to say stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But does he genuinely believe that? That's a whole nother story. Right. You know, <laughs> taking on this job, taking on, you know, this team, you have to go into it with a championship mindset. If you're not, then you're just shooting for mediocrity. Mm-hmm. Right. So he is saying the right things. He's reaching out to the fans, the Mets fans that are still left. You know, and trying to see, you know, what are some of their gripes throughout the years. There's been times where the Mets have come super close and met themselves all over the place. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> but I'm, I'm just yes. being honest. You know, they, they've had some really promising years, too. But I think that with the grand scheme of it all, if you're not willing to look for greatness from a team that you own, a team that you're kind of taking responsibility for, mm-hmm. what are you there for? Right. But um, do I think it's realistic? It depends on the moves that that are made within the next couple of years. Could it happen? It could happen. You know, there's been franchises that were complete trash that turned it around in less time. So let's not, you know, let's not crap all over it. Um, the last time the Mets won a championship was, what, 86? I think... I think the I think eighty nine was the other one the eighty the the eighty nine yeah. Well, it's been over thirty years Mets, at this yeah. point. Yeah, it's been over thirty years at this point, and um, it'll be nice to bring a championship to New oh, York. No, sixty nine and eighty six. There you go. Yeah, eighty six. Yeah. yeah, it'll be nice that you know someone could bring a championship back to New York. The last one was uh my football Giants, but uh, we'll see how yeah. it goes. Pete, your thoughts. Well, it's interesting, right? Because, you know, Steve Cohen is a lifelong fan of the Mets, mm-hmm. right? He's been trying to uh, buy and he, only, he tried to buy the Dodgers a couple of years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was that 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 was sold to the, the consortium with, with Magic Johnson being a part of it. Right. 
Um, you're not going to outbid Magic Johnson. Right. LA. You know, Steve Cohen's a billionaire. You know, so it helps when you're a fan. You know, all of us are always like fans. It's like, oh, man, I wish I could own it. It helps when you can own it. You're a fan and you're a billionaire, right? Um, but when you're a fan, though, like sometimes it might skew your vision of, of reality. It and, can. And I think um, like when we get to wrestling and we'll discuss a little bit more of that later on, that. I think that's Tony Khan's problem in all elite wrestling. Right. Yeah. And, and it possibly could be right. Like, you know, we, we look at, but we look at Steve Cohen. He is a very smart businessman. Mm-hmm. You know, you wouldn't be a billionaire without being a smart businessman. Um, I think he is a fan. And, and, and because of that, you know, you look at what he did in his introductory conference news conference. He said, not only does he want to invest in the Mets, he wants to invest in the communities around city field, invest in the communities around the Mets. Cause this is uh, a community based team. So he looked. I believe his wife is going to be the taking, area around the net state. The Mets stadium is not struggling. So let's just be real here. Well, no. But what he wants to do is he wants to invest in the Mets fan base. Okay, just, just as much as okay, he's investing okay. in the Mets. Okay, I'm thinking about the area. I'm just like, no, yeah. Flushing Meadows is pretty. Flushing nice. Meadows is pretty. You know, you pretty pretty ritzy. You know, you, know? Yeah, you are. You know, you look at. You know, I believe his. He said his wife is going to be running the Mets Foundation. Uh, which is really going to be doing a lot of community outreach and things like that. So he's really trying to bring the fan base back. Because as Tay mentioned, like the, the Mets have lost some fans over the years with the mismanagement of the Will Ponds and all that other stuff. But then again, let's – and also one of the big things that I got from Steve Cohen's Interdarking News Conference, he says, I don't intend to make money with the Mets. Hmm. Right? This He said it straight out. He's like, this isn't my other business. This isn't my hedge fund. That's where I make my money. Right. This is where I do my work. Right. I'm not nice. intending to make money with the Mets. Right. So he's already saying that he's willing to spend. He said his main goal is to get a championship. And we always know that just because you win championships in, in, in a sport doesn't mean you're making money with the team. Right. right. Um, but let's look at who's on the field. Right. They still got Jacob DeGrom. They still got Noah Syndergaard. They still got uh, Michael Conforto. They might still have shortstop Ahmed Rosario. They still have Dom Smith. Uh, Marcus Stroman, who's going to be a free agent, uh, picked up his qualifying offer for $18.9 million. And one of the biggest things that I saw, which was really great, he tweeted at Steve Cohen, looking forward to playing with you, looking forward to coming back to the Mets. And Steve Cohen responded with, looking forward to, to, play, uh, to for you playing with us as well. I'll reach out to you this week. Let's talk, right? As an owner, he's really trying to be involved, which I think is great. But at the same time, I don't think he's going to overstep Sandy Alderson. One of the biggest things that he did was bring back Sandy Alderson, Mm -hmm. right? Sandy Alderson was the former general manager and president of the team before uh, this new regime had come in. Um, where they brought in the agent uh, to be the uh, Brody Van Wagenen to be the general manager and things like that. And Sandy thought he was going to really turn around the Mets, right? And then Sandy was like, got hit with the Will Pond idea of, oh, we got screwed over with the Bernie Madoff, then we got no money. Oh, yeah. Right. right? We need you to we need you to build a team with no money. Like, what? Like, are you serious? They were. Right? And, you know, and so he had a really tough time. But remember, mm-hmm. during that time, the Mets went to a World Series. During Sandy Alderson's run as general manager with no money on that team, the Mets went to a World Series. 
right? And the Mets lost that World Series, but they got there and they showed they have the ability to do it. So Sandy Olsen now with Steve Cohen's desire and Steve Cohen's checkbook can really help build the team that can really help. They've been talking about possibly going after DJ LeMayhu, who is a free agent. Which I hope the Yankees are able to resign him and get him back. They're talking about upgrading at different positions. They've been talking about maybe looking at Trevor Bauer, all of the big names that are out there right now mm-hmm. for the first time in a long time can be associated with possibly going to the Mets, right? Five years is a big window. I think it can happen, right? They're going to have to come out of a tough National League, but they have good pieces already in DeGrom, Syndergaard, Conforto, uh, Dom Smith, things like that, that they can do it. I trust in Sandy Alderson, and I trust that Steve Cohen's going to spend the money to make sure that this team wins, tries to win a championship and be competitive every year. I think are they still paying Bobby Bonilla? They will. Th- that will be in perpetuity right? uh, for another couple of years, and that's just due to the uh, the old regime and that contract. First off, whoever Bobby Bonilla's agent was that got that kind of deferred money contract, I want you as my agent. It is up. It is up. <laughs> the man gets paid every year to do nothing. So don't even make appearances. Oh, one last thing, really cool thing that uh, Steve Cohen said in his conference. He wants to try and bring back Mets Old Timers Day, which has yes. not been a thing oh, for that was a long a big yeah. thing back right. in the day. It had not been a it's still a thing every year for the Yankees, and it's a really big thing that the Yankees do it every year. The Mets have not done that in a very long time. And there are a lot of great Mets. A lot of great Mets. We saw the loss of Tom Seaver earlier this yeah. year, right? And so really trying to reconnect with the Mets past, really trying to reconnect with that fan base, I think it's going to go a long way. I think the Mets fan base and loyal Mets fans who have been very heartbroken over the last couple of years are are looking at this new regime with Steve Cohen and like, we could probably be, be Mets fans again and be happy about it. Possibly. Um, The last time the Mets made the playoffs, I, believe, I mean, the, the World Series, I believe, was 2015, right? I believe that so. That wasn't that yeah. long ago. It was 2015. I, I remember I was working at Target. Yep. Um. That's the year they lost to the Royals. Right. They lost to the Royals, which was, was still just like, oh, okay. <laughs> but um I think it could I think it could possibly happen, like Tay say Tay said. I'm not holding my breath, but let's see. New York when New York sports is good all around, the sports world is, is good. Right now, the New York sports world, like I said, we only have the Buffalo Bills <laughs> doing all right. <laughs> the Rangers are right. they the Rangers always kind of give you a scare. Right. I'm um, not a, a good scare. Right. That they they're always like one series shy right. from the finals. The Rangers about to have a family cup final. No, the Islanders weren't that bad. The Devils might become that. I mean, they're a right. Jersey team, but they might they they they're associated they with New they York count. sports. They count. Right. So <laughs> yeah, I mean hockey. Look, the Cubs turned it around. Yeah. We the saw Yankees. we seen the Cubs turn it around. Miami's trying to turn it around right now. Mm-hmm. You know, th- listen, the Mets are gonna have it tough. The NL East is not to be scoffed at, at right? At Miami's all. trying to turn it around. They're playing scrappy ball. Atlanta's really good. Um, and if Washington can get back to a semblance of the team that won the World Series two years ago, they're still a really good team as well. So it's not going to be like the Mets are just going to make a couple of moves and coast to first place in the division. You're going to have a dogfight on your hands if the remaining three teams in that division stay good. Is it possible, though, 
Yes, in the structure of baseball, 162-game season, anything can happen. And, and when we talk about that World Series in 2015, all of the games, with the exception of maybe two of them in that five-game series, because the Royals won 4-1, almost all of them were close. Right. Mets lost the first game in 14 innings, 5-4, right? They got blown out in game two, 7-1. Mm -hmm. They won game three, 9-3. They lose game four, five to three, and then game five, the clinching game, they lose seven to two. And, and that took 12 innings. So that means they were tied 2-2 going all the way to the 12th inning, and, and, right. and the Royals blew it open. So of that five-game series, four of those games were close. So, again, and this was a team that was highly hampered by budgetary restrictions. Yeah, yeah, I agree. But um, a team that also is uh... – Hampered by budget restrictions are the Houston Rockets. Um, as we get into budget some, restrictions, well, they got two hundred million dollar contracts on their on their roster right which now, which is a problem because they have to try to get rid of one or both. Um, apparently, Russell Westbrook wants out of Houston due to lack of accountability. Cough, cough. James Harden and the culture. Harden is concerned about the direction of the team. P.J. Tucker, Eric Gordon, and Austin Rivers are disgruntled employees as well. Austin Rivers doesn't want to go play with his daddy. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Yo, daddy, pick me up. Um, what do you think is the source of these problems? And what do you think the solution would be outside of trading? Well, you're going to have to trade one of them or both. But, um, Pete, who do you think um, is going first? Russ, uh, straight up Russ, and uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna you know Stephen A. Sometimes annoys me, but Stephen A. Know what he's talking about as well with the NBA. He, he you know he got he got his sources in there, and from what Stephen A. Smith has been saying, Russ and Harden just don't want to play with each other no more, mm -hmm. right? Um, and saying I'm gonna I'm gonna preface this with the same statement I made before we got into the boxing argument last week. I have a little bias when it comes to Russell Westbrook. I'm not really a fan of his. I don't like the way that he plays. Uh, somebody uh, somebody I was talking to yesterday came out and he said, yeah, Russell Westbrook is the type of dude, score 30 points, get a triple-double, and you still lose by 20. Right? Um, yes. And that really annoys me, right, yes. uh, as a basketball fan. Um I think Russ is going to go. Harden has been there. They've built that team around Harden. Harden has a great relationship with the ownership there. Mm -hmm. I find it funny, though, because according to all reports, Russell Westbrook and James Harden were both consulted and agreed with the new move for the new coach. Mm -hmm. They were both okay with Daryl Morey leaving, right? So they seem to be okay with everything. And then things changed. Maybe, maybe young Silas finally said, listen, we're not going to run the game through y'all, but y'all are going to be the number one weapons. You know, we know that both Harden and Russ like the ball in their hands. Mm -hmm. I was actually surprised when Russ first went to the Rockets because you knew how much of a ball-dominant guard Russ was. Yes. Right? And I was surprised because I was like, Harden's a ball-dominant guard. Russ is a ball-dominant guard. Y'all just going to play two-on-five every night? Basically. Which is really what Houston did for, for, for the entire time that those two were together. They played two-on-five. Um, Russ has been attached to a lot of teams. Now, Harden, the biggest thing is he's probably been attached to Philly – with with Daryl Morey, but I don't think Harden leaves. If they trade Harden and Russ, it's a full rebuild in Houston. That means they're going full change of culture, full change of dynamics, full change of everything. I think they trade Russell Westbrook. They see if maybe they can rebuild around Harden 
see what they can do with Harden. I think if if that doesn't work out, then they trade Harden after next year. Mm-hmm. But I think Russ goes this year. He's been linked to the Knicks. There's talk about him going to the Knicks. That's a, because they're one of the only teams that could absorb his yeah. huge contract. But they're gonna have to give up that number eight pick. That's fine. I've heard I've heard a couple of different trade scenarios. One of them including uh, the number eight pick and RJ Barrett, which I wouldn't. I don't. I don't know. I don't know if you want to get rid of RJ Barrett that quickly. Uh, the number eight pick and Mitchell Robinson. I definitely don't want to get rid of Mitchell Robinson. No, um, and then a third option, which is a lot like the mellow trade, where they really would gut their entire bench. Get rid of guys like Nilakina and Kevin Knox and all those guys. They got rid of their starters for Melo. Yeah. Um, Not even their bench. You know. Starting five. Like, three of their starting five had to go because of Melo. And, and but what Tay says, the, the contract is what's going to hamper them, right? right. Because if you bring if, – if you gut your bench – and we were talking about this with the Lakers because there's a rumored Lakers trade going around that's been you know, bandied about the NBA, right? The, the, the question has been – if you bring in Russell Westbrook with that contract, like Tay says, the, ne- the Knicks can absorb it, right. right? But then if you trade away half your bench, you got to replace your bench. And if you got no money to pay your bench players, see, this is not like a guy like a Rajon Rondo taking the mid-level exception to go play for L.A. Yeah. And a championship. This isn't like guys who are veterans who are willing to take a player's exception or a really low amount of money to go play for a team and chase a title. Players aren't going to do that to play on the bench for the Knicks. They're going to want a regular contract, right? So if you absorb Russ's contract and then get rid of that much, it's going to be tough. Getting rid of the eighth pick, especially in a draft that I don't think is that strong this year, yeah. may be their best option. So if they could find a creative way of doing that and not getting rid of too many pieces – that would be interesting, though I will say on the Harden front, there have been rumors that there may be an OKC reunion in Brooklyn. There's been talks of either Harden going mm. to Brooklyn and teaming with uh, Durant, and if that doesn't happen, there's been rumors of maybe Serge Ibaka going I to Brooklyn and, and teaming with real. Durant as well. But both of them have been uh, – there's been rumors about both of them, some kind of mini OKC reunion happening in Brooklyn. Imagine they pick Ibaka over Harden again. <laughs> Let me tell you something. This has been the third superstar of sorts to have come with come to play in Houston with James Harden that had a very short stay. You had Dwight Howard, right? Before, really, if you think about it. Dwight Howard. You had Chris Paul. Mello. Right. I forgot about yeah, Mello. And now, and now they, Russ. They so treat, we have to figure who's the – but the thing is, at this point, Who's the problem? Is it is it these superstars who come and have like brief stays, or is it the the way that the team is built? I think the team was, or is not, it Harden? It could be, mm-hmm. but you know, I, I hate to give players the the um the blame sometimes. Right, you get what I'm saying? Because I feel like the team was not built effectively to have a deep run. I feel like they played small ball under Mike D'Antoni. And this is not 2006, 2007 NBA anymore. You get what I'm saying? So I never felt that the team was built to do a deep playoff run. They thought they were, but I I never saw it. They could run anybody out the building, and that's what D'Antoni tried to do with Phoenix. And it almost worked with Phoenix, but, you know. I mean, it worked, but it worked for, like. When you run into teams with bigs, good bigs, yeah, it's not gonna you work. know what the issue was? Look no, at, look at in Phoenix. Phoenix, they had a great second unit, 
the problem with what D'Antoni was doing in the early 2000s and what they're trying to do now is the difference in player money and contracts, right? Yeah. Now, you pay a James Harden, you pay a Russell Westbrook, those are really the only two good players you're going to have on your team because the rest of the team is going to have to be mid-level player exceptions, right? Versus when you look back at those Phoenix teams, you had a young Amari who wasn't getting paid top dollar yet, a young Sean Marion who wasn't getting paid top dollar. Maybe the biggest contract was Nash. But then you had Barbosa and all of them on the bench. So it's a big difference in how NBA contracts are. But I also think, Tay, you said that you don't like to give a lot of, of, of blame to the players. This is a player's league now, right? And the players are kind of the ones who make the decision. So the whole thing is, is like when you go to Houston, it's Harden's team for better or for worse. It could be for worse, and we don't know it. For all we know, guys like Russ and Chris and and uh, and Mello were trying to go in and actually kind of fit in, and it wasn't working because of the way that Harden wants to play. Or as you said also, say it could be Harden's like, all right, cool, I'll acquiesce, but now they want to play their way and try to run the team. So it's a little weird. I think just to piggyback on what Tay says, I think it's 50-50 split between player and 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 team. In terms of uh, of blame, because realistically, the owners have the choice to put the team together. If they don't, and then the superstar wants to leave, the owner could trade the superstar. Yes, you will be scrutinized. Yes, people will be on you. But for the most part, it's up to the owners for the most to make the decisions. Now, when it comes to the players, when you have two alphas, James Harden and Russell Westbrook. Russell Westbrook, who's been an alpha since he came into the league. But he's played like an alpha. Right. Yes. He's played like an alpha. James Harden has also played like an alpha, but has crumbled in moments when he was supposed to be the alpha. 100%. Yep. But right. is James Harden the person that you build a franchise around? That was right. always my question. You can build an effective franchise around uh, Kevin Durant. You could build around even a, a Russell Westbrook if you give him pieces that are a little bit more diligent, a little bit more defensive minded. Mm -hmm. You get what I'm saying? But I never understood why teams built around like Hardens. Like, I don't see him like a, uh, what's his face, Damian Lillard. I think you can, but I think you need to have veterans around him. You can't have young kids. I think he's a like, veteran now. Like if you, but but I think no. But he's thing. if you took a Harden and put him on like the early two thousand Pistons, Harden would be great because yes. you got enough veterans yes. that know you're the guy who's going to score fifty. We know that, mm -hmm. and we're going to put you in a position to score fifty, right? But here's how everything is going to run, right? This is how the system is run in in a, in a place like Houston. Harden dictates the system, mm -hmm. and Harden is the alpha, right? So I don't get it. Though. The, the, you know what it is? It. You know what? And Dre, you bring up the point of like ownership and teams and all of that. Uh -huh. There's really only one team that can do that, and it, it runs like that, and that's San Antonio Spurs. The Spurs are the only team where players come in a lot like the New England Patriots in football, where it's like you come in, this is the system. You either play to it or get out. You do your job or you sit down. You do what we need you to do or you can leave. Every other team doesn't really run like that they because play, every yeah. other team is beholden to the stars. It's beholden to the players. We saw what happened in, in Denver, right? Yeah. They wanted to keep Mello, right? 
They wanted to keep Melo. Melo said, screw this, I want out. Melo went on early day social media, went through his agent and said, I want out. And what happened? Teams now knew, except for the Knicks because they're dumb, teams now knew that Melo was going to force his way out. So now they knew, oh, well, Denver, we don't got to give you a lot. Now, again, the Knicks were stupid. They still gave him a lot. They gave but, too much. Right. Way too much. But teams knew, oh, you've lost all your leverage. We don't have to give you a lot because Melo wants out. He he wants out, right? Um, the issue is, is that the NBA has become so player-driven, so player-dependent de on player happiness and whether or not how the players want things run. The GMs are literally figureheads nowadays, almost to a degree. Um, and, and it really sucks as the agents and the players run things. I'm very old school. I'm the type, I'll sit your ass down. Mm -hmm. You will sit down on a bench and you will, and you will, I don't care how much we got to pay. You're going to sit on that bench and you're going to run through your contract. Uh, what was that? What was the movie? Uh, Eddie. You remember yes. the movie mm -hmm. Eddie? Yes, that was a great movie. Yeah, like Whoopi Go. Movie. If you have not I, seen Eddie, so yeah. many times. If you have not seen Eddie with Whoopi Goldberg, please watch that movie. Um, one of the greatest movies I've ever seen, especially sports movies. But the way that Eddie w takes care of those players on the Knicks, mm -hmm. and she says, "I'm gonna sit you," and you, you got that play. I forget the name of the play, but his mama yelling from the stands because he's the star player. Yep. Put my son in. Why are you sitting my son? But she did it to set a point. And to make an example. And what happened when that player finally got it through their thick skull, this is how we're supposed to be doing things. They went on the court and they were a lot more effective because of it. And it's unfortunately, just like, just like in Coach Carter, too. Right. I was just about to yeah. say yeah. Coach Carter. You know, unfortunately, teams, player, uh, teams, owners, GMs are in a sense almost toothless in the NBA to do that because the players dictate everything. Well, it, it, with that, Houston has always been like that, and I'm, I'm going to tell you why. Not after Elijah Wan left, right? Um, fast forward. They wouldn't be playing this if Hakeem was there now. Absolutely. If Hakeem was playing now, ain't nobody going to be playing that. Right. But my thing is, they were like that with Tracy McGrady. Mm -hmm. They built the team for Tracy McGrady. Mm-hmm. And didn't give him all the correct pieces. Granted, Yao Ming was a good piece. Yao Ming was hurt. He was out the league was within five prone. years. Yeah. Um, so bad you had Louis that. Scola. You had Shane Battier. You, um, I love Scola. Like, you had a Aaron Gordon. You had uh, um, Bobby Jackson. You had players that fit the system, but you were still building it for T-Mac and – T-Mac wasn't a prima donna when he was on Houston, but if I can compare it to the James Harden era Rockets to um, the T-Mac, it's virtually almost the same. Very similar. Yeah. So it, it's so much stuff that they can do to, to fix the problem. It's just because the scrutiny that people he, he will face, the owner will face so much scrutiny. Be like, you know what? I agree. Trade James Harden. People are going to be looking at him like, what? Right. Like, and again, this draft is very slim, very weak. Very I, weak. I don't think I can name and more than three I or four players in this draft. Right. At how slim pickings the draft is this year. I think it's because of the virus. I think, but damn, but people played the year before. Yeah, but my, you know what's a lot. A, they look at a lot of the first year players that yeah, come out. They one, look at one a lot and done. Of first year, they don't look at the people. You know what been my there two or three years. You know what I would have done, and they can't like, because they can't. They used to right, right. They used to look at four, four. If you were in, the, in a three or four year player, right, yeah. a three or four year player, 
you were getting drafted in the lottery. Yeah. Now, three or four years later, a four-year player, you may or may not get drafted. You yeah, because they look at you like, why did you spend three years, four years in, in college? In college, right. right. Um, <laughs> to hone and, my skills? Like, and, and don't get me wrong. Listen, <laughs> I, I have no issue with the whole, like, if you want to set up the whole high school to – I don't believe it should be because people are not mentally ready. The NBA has to set up a lot of systems to able to get their players financially stable, mm-hmm. mentally ready. A lot of players sometimes are coming from situations where there's a lot of people hounding on them and on their back about money, and I get it. Yeah. A lot of these – some of these players are coming from situations where – they trying to make a living, right? They trying to make money and they ball and that's where they contract and their money's going to come from. And I get that, right? And you 18, you get the opportunity to make $20 million in the NBA. Yo, go get your bread, young kid, right? But the NBA has got to set up systems in place to help these young kids because we saw what happened with players like AI. Right. Right. And we don't want that to happen with especially young kids, especially when we're talking about a league that's what upwards of 75% African-American, mm-hmm. right? Um, we don't want that to happen with a multitude of players. But what I don't like This is why college basketball was so great back in the day as well, because you had guys that were staying in college basketball three, four years. Mm -hmm. So if Dre, if you were on, let's say, because I went to Syracuse, right? Let's say you were the guard at Syracuse and I'm coming in. I'm this great five star guard. Right. And I want to go play for Syracuse. Well, you're still there for two more years. You're a sophomore. Right. right. That means I'm going to have to sit behind you for two years. And back then people were like, no, I want to play now. Right. So what did they do? Maybe I went to Gonzaga mm-hmm. because I wanted I could start at Gonzaga for four years. And you were going to I would only get to start for two years under you because you would have been there for two more years. Mm-hmm. But now and that's why you had so much parity in college basketball. So many great teams in college basketball back in the day. Right. Nowadays, it's not the same. Right nowadays, you got these super teams in college basketball. Everybody going to Kentucky, everybody going here, everybody going there because they know, oh, yo, Dre's only gonna be there for one year. So I'm gonna go and I'm gonna sit for one year, and then I'm a red shirt, and then my 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 regular freshman year, my my second year, I'm gonna play, start, and then go to the NBA, right? Um, and unfortunately, it, it it's a bad thing because you know what's funny is there's a lot of players, Kevin Knox, there's a lot of players, Mitchell Robinson, there's a lot of players. I can go through a whole list mm. of people. Who could have benefited, Kyrie, from another year <laughs> at, <laughs> in college, and especially someone like Kyrie, who was being coached by Mike Shashevsky, probably one of the greatest coaches in college basketball history, mm-hmm. right? You could have done with a second year, a third year. I again, I get it, the economics and the finances of it, right? But in terms of skill level, not everybody's LeBron James, not everybody is Kobe Bryant. Okay, even even what and I and I'm Tay, just hold up for a minute. <laughs> even MJ spent three years in college, right? Yeah, but he wasn't even a superstar his first right two right. years of, of of college ball, right? But look at the list of the people who came straight from high school. Like for the most Kwame part, they've Brown. been they've been kind of effective. It's only been forty five. Kwame right. Brown. Well, was apart, apart. Yeah. Dwight Howard wasn't that effective. No, but Dwight Howard was still, you know, Dwight Howard still going to the Hall of Fame. But Dwight Howard, right. let me tell you something. Those years in Orlando were were pretty impressive. We gonna have to talk about that another day. No, no, another day. Though. You put that on a topic list. I don't think Dwight so Howard belongs in the Hall of Mediocre. Okay. Look right. at the most. Yeah, I, I'm not a really big fan of um Dwight Howard. So, yeah. but look at some of the notables. Uh-huh. Jeff Kevin Garnett. KG. Big he ticket. was the first one in 20 years. Right after I remember Moses, that. right after yep. Bill Willoughby. Okay, so twenty years. It was in nineteen ninety five. You got Kobe, Jermaine O'Neal, 
J.O. was, was all right. He was okay. Yeah. Tracy McGrady, mm -hmm. uh, Rashard Lewis. You yeah. had a few. Rashard Lewis was really good, too. He didn't get his due, but he Tyson was Tyson Chandler. Tyson Chandler. You know, Amari Stoudemire. Stop. LeBron. You know, Kendrick Perkins. Huh. Um, <laughs> Dwight I'm surprised she actually said Ken, Ken Perkins' surprised. name. She said that so we can laugh. <laughs> J.R. Smith, my boy. I love J.R. Emmy God. You know, if he would have went to college. Emmy <laughs> God. If, if J.R. Smith had went to college, I guarantee you if J.R. Smith went to college, he would learn to keep a shirt on. Lies. You, but you know when a team, you know when your team is winning if J.R. Smith got a shirt on. Oh, yeah. You you know you're winning the championship if J.R. Smith, Smith got a shirt, shirt on. On, right. on the sideline, shirt off. Yo, J.R. Smith. Third quarter. Is <laughs> one of my, I, you know, I know he's a, I have a, I have a soft spot for erratic players. Like I love a John Starks. I love it. He reminds me of, of John Starks. So you was a Ron Artest guy? Uh Ron Artest woman? St. John's. He's yeah. a Johnny. Yeah. So I'm always gonna ride for my Johnny. Meta Meta World Peace, I should say. Um, Ron no, Meta Stanford Stanford Artest. That's his name. Now. Oh, but okay. You you did have some some success stories. Yes. Now yes. my my only issue is, right? Mm -hmm. I feel like the first year may be too soon okay. for some of these guys. But I do feel that. By the second year in college, they should be on their way out. I, I just, I just think so. Um, MJ, like you're right, but back then people were staying three years because they wanted to kind of raise their stock. Like especially depending on the schools that they went to, like Georgetown, you were staying three years at least. Yeah, Georgetown, Duke, North Carolina, yeah, you were staying three no, years. No, Villanova, least. because you weren't even yeah. starting as a freshman. Right, right, right. Like people built up too much equity at their positions. For you but then you look at take over. That's right. And you look at players like a Grayson Allen, right? Who I get it didn't translate in the NBA, but the fact that he spent three, four years at Duke, people were like, "Well, why didn't he come out sooner? Why this? Why that? Why that? Why that?" Um, Adam Morrison, another one. People like, why didn't he come out sooner? And again, I get it that some of these names that I'm mentioning didn't exactly translate to NBA. Not everybody's going to be a great NBA player as great as they were in college. Christian Leitner wasn't the greatest NBA player. He was a college god. He had no business in the league. And being on the dream team, they needed a, they over needed, they Isaiah needed, Thomas. They needed an NCAA that is rep. one of. Why didn't you Shaq? That is one of. <laughs> I'm telling you, that is one of the biggest tragic injustices. In the in the Olympics, man got a gold medal. We can, we can, like I said, we can definitely argue. So many other people that could have been yeah. on the league, but their Thomas is at the top, right? But everybody I mean, else they, is they, they needed an NCAA right. rep. That was the thing, right? They needed an NCAA representation. Shaq, right. Shaq. Um, <laughs> but you know, and I get it. Again, some of the names that I mentioned didn't exactly translate in the league, right? But when your question, and again, I understand the socioeconomic issues with college. Uh -huh the industrial system that goes with the idea of like going into debt and going to college. Right. And especially for young men of color and young women of color, sometimes college and the financial burden of college isn't an option. I understand that. Right. And those are conversations we can have for another day, but I'm just talking about if you are able and privileged enough to be able to go to college, mm -hmm. especially on a basketball scholarship. Yeah. Right. If you're going to a good school with a great coach. Now, again, if you go into Mid-Atlantic State Community College University and you want to play one year and be a superstar and go to the NBA, by all means, brother, go right ahead, okay. right? But if you're going to a place like a Duke, like a UCLA, yo, Walton, uh, they talk about the, the, the legacy that UCLA had, right? Mm -hmm. They had 
Bill Walton for four years, right after they had had um, um, Kareem for four years. You went from four years with Kareem Abdul-Jabbar and had to him change the rules for Kareem Abdul-Jabbar because right. he was too dominant to four years with Bill Walton, right? With another dominant center in college, right? right? So you know, but when you have the opportunity to go to a great team with great coaching and do some great things, it we should not be looking down at players mm-hmm. for staying in college. Now again. There are a lot of issues with the college system in terms of, you know, players going to class, players actually getting an education. But here's my another thing, right? Mm-hmm. The average NBA career is how long, Dre? Tay? I was just thinking about that. I thought maybe oh, at least over 10 years. No, I mean, I think, five. yeah, the average NBA career, if you're not a superstar, if you're not a top-line player, is five years, right? Which means you may be getting what? One contract? Maybe a second contract? And yeah, you you get because most rookies get what a three four year deal. You get the um the two year with the two oh, year. Wow, option. four and a half years. Yeah. Right. So if you're talking, and let's the NFL is lower it's three. Right, I believe. That. Let's yeah. say, let's just say for argument's sake, you get in two contracts. Mm-hmm. And I think average salary in the NBA is what a couple million bucks. Okay. But they said the average career earnings of an NBA player is $24 million. Okay. But $24 million. Okay. The NFL is six. So let's, okay. So, Tay, but let's look at that for a minute. You MLB play, 19. You play five years. So you, let's say you out of the league. My kids playing baseball. Let's say you out of the league in five years mm-hmm. and you don't go to Europe. You don't go to, to Asia. Mm-hmm. You, but you out of basketball. Let's say, God forbid, you play five years. You have a career ending injury. You're out. You're done with basketball. You left after one year of college. And actually, there's actually a story about this. There was a documentary done. David Wesley. Remember him? I know David Wesley. Okay. David Wesley went back to college after his NBA career. And he talks about the level of depression and the level of anxiety that he had walking through his old his alma mater's campus, going back to classes. Because people looked at him and said, aren't you? Aren't you? Like, you're a legend on this campus. Like you went to you you play basketball here. Weren't you, weren't you in the NBA? Blah, blah, blah. But he never finished his degree. Now David West I think he did two or three years in college, but he never finished his degree. But the level of anxiety, you look at something like a um, you look at something like these guys who are not getting degrees, mm-hmm. right? Shaq has said the greatest thing he did was go back and get his degree, yeah. right? I want for NBA players, if you're gonna leave, I need for the NBA and the NCAA to set up a system where players can go back, get their degree. Get some get some financial literacy training, yeah. so that way when they out out of, the, out, out of the league, whether it be in two years, five years, ten years, or twenty years, these players are able to have futures. But that's what the agents the should be. It, I don't think that's the league's responsibility. That is on you. I'm I'm going to be honest yeah. with you. Go ahead. We work every day. Yeah. Yes. You have an opportunity. That 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 twenty four million dollars. I'm not seeing twenty four million dollars, and I can man. Excuse my language. I can manage. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? If you have an agent, your agent's supposed to be setting you up with the proper financial literacy skills, with a proper accountant, with a proper this. I think it's unfair to put that burden of responsibility on the leagues because they're giving you the opportunity to make this amount of money. No, but I think now, for the young players, players, for the young players, not, even for the young players, One, look at us. First year, second we year coming from, in. No, we went from being in high school, 16 years old. At 17 years old, asking to use the bathroom, then three months later, expecting to make decisions to to, to impact the rest of our lives in college. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. You get what I'm saying? Like, there was no transition. High school did not prepare you for college. No. At, not all. at all. Not at all. I, nothing I learned in high school translated into college at all, except for social skills. Right. That's it. You know what I'm saying? But I think when it comes to the to, to the draft, and we can kind of talk about yeah. a little bit of the trade rumors, right? I feel like I did not know that the average career length was that short. Yeah. So at the end of the day, you have a very – I can now I see why people are, are anxious to get into the league quicker because the longer you stay in college for some innate ridiculous reason, the lower your stock drops. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. But I do agree they should have some type of educational programming to encourage them to go back for their degree. A lot of them did, believe yeah. it or not. We have too many so. players that are bankrupt after leagues and after years in the league, you know, who lose money to, to people on their backs, to family yeah, a lot members of them who are trying get, to get like friends. Them, look, at, look at Hammer. Nobody told Hammer to buy 40, 40 horses. Right. And then when you, when you speak about that, uh, they have the G League system that they're setting up now for players coming out of high school and that they have incentives to go to the G league because you get NBA training and you get classes, how to, you know, take care of your money and, and, and everything like that. So they're hoping to expand upon that four and a half, five year life expectancy in the NBA to, you know, at least seven, eight, like at seven or eight, you should be on two contracts. Yeah. Two and maybe three if you're doing, you know, little inky dink contracts. If you're a role player and you're getting spotty deals. But speaking of role players, we have a lot of trade rumors going around. A lot. Um, you mentioned some already. Um, the Abaka one is one I'm really interested about. But out of the ones that we have heard, uh, Tay, what is one that is like? Just mind blowing and could pretty much just destroy the league. <laughs> Damn. Yeah. You know, I was thinking about uh what's his face? Kawhi Leonard. Mm. And I was thinking about if Kawhi were to have chosen the Lakers over the Clippers. With the so I think Paul George is getting traded. Oh. If he didn't get traded already. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. I feel like wherever, I feel like I heard that, you know, we've talked about it a couple of times, Giannis wanted to leave the Milwaukee Bucks. Mm-hmm. I feel like if he, I heard that he wanted to go to the Lakers, I think that would be a, a really bad deal. Very bad. Yeah. Just I don't see any league shifting moves unless, you know, Kawhi goes to the Lakers. I mean, that'll be league shifting. But other than that, I, I'm really interested in where uh, Serge Ibaka goes. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that if Serge does go to the Brooklyn Nets, it's going to be a problem for everyone else. He'd be the biggest key, I feel, of people to, who played with Durant before to play with him again mm-hmm. to be able to have that dominance at the you know four or five. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I um, I think the Ibaka thing is more interesting because of how the team is already set up. Yeah, you have two rim protect, um, two rim protectors in um, in Jordan and Allen. Yep, you have a, f- a third rim protector with Ibaka. Kevin Durant is not a slouch on defense. No, and you you um, now you're only. But he's not great on defense. No, he's not great. But he's um, okay. he's above average on defense. I think in his um, in his Golden State years, the product of the system. 
made him look like he was better on defense than what he actually was because he was averaging almost two blocks there and uh, probably close to, close to a steal. But um, Pete, what is your thoughts on any trades, any anything that's going on like like in the trade world or the, or just signing too? Well, the, so the, the big the big trade that we heard about that uh, that's been rumored uh, involving the Lakers is uh, the Lakers trading Kyle Kuzma and Danny Green to San Antonio for Demar Derozan. Yes. Bye. Um, Bye. And you about to lose your job. <laughs> if that happens, I mean, it, uh, we were talking about this uh, in the chat. Like, you're gonna need to rebuild that bench for the Lakers. That's gonna be their biggest problem. Uh, is building that bench behind a DeRozan, a LeBron, and an AD. Um, though, if LeBron goes into load management mode and doesn't play half the season, I'm sorry, right. Wait, hold on, hold on. So I was watching um the shop mm-hmm. episode with with Obama, right? <laughs> and I get like when I when I heard it again, I'm like. Oh, he's just saying that to piss people off because he got me. He got me. I was like, "Oh, so you go cherry pick game?" <laughs> like he just said that to piss people off. And we got at him last episode. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, there's been but, rumors that the um, that the Warriors might be willing to trade the number two pick in the draft for some for some players um, in 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 Golden State. Uh, Lakers apparently have interest in Dennis Schroeder. Uh, which I think would be a big upgrade over Rajon Rondo. Um, especially a younger upgrade to Rajon Rondo. I wouldn't say better because Rondo <laughs> was that. Rondo was a key piece to them. No, was, he was. But when you're talking about Rondo, it was looking crazy. Rondo, damn near 65 years old. Okay, 65 years old was <laughs> was, was, was dropping people off this in the playoffs. Bro. Um, yeah, but he, he joined the F, FTK crew. Here's what in the finals. Here's right. what's interesting though. And, I, and this came across my desk a couple of days ago. Uh-huh. The Mavs are actively looking to build that core around Luka and Kristaps Porzingis. And the three players that the Mavs have been interested in, uh-huh. Chicago guard Zach Levine, mm-hmm. Nets guard Spencer Dinwiddie, okay. and Mr. Can I play with y'all? Pacers guard Victor Oladipo. Right, uh, Mister. Can I play with y'all? That, that um, hilarious. Now they don't have a lot of cap space this year, right? But slim. They have Tim Hardaway Jr.'s expiring contract. Expiring contract. You know how valuable they are in the right. NBA. And they also have two picks: the 18th and the 31st pick in this year's draft to kind of dangle around, right? So all three of those players, really good players. Mm-hmm. I for the Nets, I'm very cautious about getting rid of Spencer Dinwiddie because as much as I love Clarice Levert, he has been injury prone, mm-hmm. and I feel like you're gonna need Dinwiddie to step back in, right? So Dinwiddie may be the most important third piece behind uh KD and, and Kyrie, right? Yeah. But your reaction said it all. Zach Levine in Dallas with Luka Doncic and Kristaps Porzingis mm. could be a listen. That'll be the most dangerous trio of white boys you ever seen <laughs> since the Warriors movie. Yeah. <laughs> right? Warriors. <laughs> right? That is the most Warriors. dangerous trio, which, by the way, I don't know why Golden State don't use that as their theme. They should use that. I don't understand out. why Golden State don't use that as should, they theme. Because yeah. it's so synonymous with Brooklyn. Right. That's why. You know, just the... 
you know, the Coney Island and all that. that yeah. But you know, the the Warriors movie was the the biggest group of clowns I've ever seen scare <laughs> people. Like nobody was scary in that movie to me at all, except nah, for Duke but, with the nah, movie. Nah. Yeah. The hall of the 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 riffs. The riffs were kind of scary. They right, ran only, deep. Yeah. They ran deep. Riffs. Just to um get into the uh comment, comment shout out to everybody in the comments. Lawrence says your BK Madness in the comments. Um Izzy is here, Shaq is here. Shout out to everybody watching. Um, Laura says the Mavs can be dangerous if they make the right moves. Yes, they can. Shaq says Dinwiddie to the Lakers sounds crazy, which it does. Um, no, Dinwiddie to the Mavs is a possibility. Yes. Yeah. Um, That's who they they can. No, but on. he says uh, Shaq said it, it would sound crazy. Oh if they yeah. Izzy says Kuzma and Green out of here. <laughs> they were both trash in the playoffs. And DeMar DeRozan didn't he didn't bag the trade, but he, he his response to it was it's really good to be wanted. Yes, and I, I agree because DeMar DeRozan is um, – I'm not going to say underrated. He's a very good two-guard. Um, I feel bad for him, He's though. a really good swingman. You got traded from Toronto, and then they win the championship the next year. Right, because – Right. Listen, he got traded – first of all, he got traded to the same coast LeBron is on, so he can't escape LeBron, which was That's essentially problem. their problem in right. the first place. LeBron goes to the West, the, the best team – on that side, on the east, eventually, like, okay, we can do it now. <laughs> right, we can get all the way to the finals. <laughs> right. So, Oladipo and um, Law says Oladipo in Brooklyn would be dangerous. I don't like. I wouldn't like that because Oladipo, it, he can play off ball, but he needs the ball to be effective. Kyrie Irving, of course, needs the ball to be effective. KD has been shown he can play off ball. But again, it's not. You don't want to have three ball dominant. I would rather Oladipo in New York. The problem is, R.J. Barrett is not a pure point guard. R.J. Barrett is more of an uh, of an off guard, and, and he needs the ball as well. Mm -hmm. um, he's not going to be a great facilitator, which has been the Knicks' problem. The Knicks have not had a good point guard in like twenty years. The right? Knicks haven't had a good anything in. You know, a long time. Remember, but you know what's funny? Raymond Felton was the last decent. Oh, <laughs> Raymond Felton. Jason Kidd was the last good Knicks point guard, which is sad. Chris right? Duhon was right. Was Jesus. But no, here's the funny thing, right? You had, had I, I remember I remember days when we had a rotating door of Howard Isley, Charlie Ward, Charlie uh, Ward. right? Um, Chris yeah, Chris Child. Like we had some really Who good. Punched? <laughs> The McHell out of Kobe Bryant. Yeah. Rest in peace. We had we, we had some great, you know, they weren't like Chris star Charles point about guard. that life. They weren't stars, right? They weren't like they weren't guys you build a team around, but they were really solid point guards right. in New York. And we really have been searching. I think that's been the really the big missing piece for New York for a long time. Is is a point guard. They have not had. They've had good. They had Melo. Who was a good small forward? As much as I hate Melo, he was a good small forward. You had Tyson Chandler, you had Marcus Camby, you had really good centers at one time. Marcus Camby was very injury prone. He was another one that was yeah, but he's he, his talent. He was so underrated ta talent wise. And he, you know, to be honest with you, people were such were so offended that Ewing was benched for Marcus Camby. For yeah. Marcus Camby, oh yeah. They, the Knicks that never was got a back. Big deal. Um, you know, so they've had they had good two guards. They just have not had a good point guard. It's been really, really sad. I would rather see Oladipo in New York, but again, I don't think he works with RJ Barrett. Oladipo, though, with Luka Doncic, imagine Oladipo getting the dishes 
from Luka Doncic. Mm. Like with with Chris Stapps inside, he doesn't need to score as much. We could probably keep Chris Stapps healthy a little bit longer, right? You got Luka breaking in, breaking down the defense, collapsing the defense, kicking out to Oladipo. Oladipo be making threes all day. Yeah, I agree. Can I play with y'all? <laughs> Just to, um, to touch back on the draft again. Um, James Wiseman to the Warriors. Yeah. If they keep that number yeah. two pick. James Wiseman to the Warriors. Um, Obi Toppin is really low on the draft list, and if the Knicks keep their pick, I'm get, I'm picking up. Obi I've Toppin. heard the Cavs have their eye on him. <laughs> I've heard the Cavs have their eye on him. What number is the Cavs? I think they're right before the. They're Knicks. right before the Knicks. They're gonna get them. Yeah, unless the Knicks do some out of this world thing, trade up, and which do, they can. Do you think Lamelo goes number one? No. I, um, his stock is dropping a little bit because people are now really watching tape. And my thing about LaMelo Ball, um, great athlete. It's just his decision-making is kind of wacky at times. And uh, he has court vision, but he's lazy on defense. He has great, like, he has a great sense on the floor to where what everything is going on, but he's a little bit lazy on defense. Another guard that's coming out the draft that's kind of rated low, Cole Anthony. Um, I believe that's Greg Anthony's son, if I'm not mistaken. Um, you got Anthony Edwards. Yeah, Anthony Edwards. Well, you know, rumors have it that either Anthony Edwards or James Wiseman goes to the Warriors. Yes. He is. yes. Um, you got the kid, uh, Killian Hayes, coming out of Germany. Mm-hmm. Um, got a kid coming out of, of Israel. Um, Nick should pick up Abdesia. Cole Anthony. <laughs> Uh, Halliburton out of Ohio State. The Knicks should just go straight to the D League. I, I, they're not even an NBA. Damn, team. it's not even the D. It's not even the D League no more. It's G. So now you want them to go to the D League. <laughs> My, you know, and I was gonna say this earlier, right? Unfortunately, uh-huh. what I would have done, okay, had this been a little bit of a of a less democratic process, what I would have done would be cancel the draft this year, force everybody to go play a second year not even have a draft this year because to me it almost does a disservice you don't really have a lot of tape Mm -hmm. a lot of these college kids did not get a lot of time to play they played what maybe 10 games Mm -hmm. right before the season got shut down well no because we were already uh we were already in march we were about to go into the uh into into the playoffs so So they i mean they played somewhat of a full yeah yeah but i would i would have shut it down told everybody go back playing on the season not have a draft this year covid ruined everything else and and maybe give it another year and see what happens then. And what I what you could have done, which would have been interesting, mm-hmm. is you could have then reseeded the draft based on records next year. So use some kind of amalgamation mm-hmm. formula with this year and next year to reseed. Well, the problem with that before we move on to um to SmackDown is like everything, the draft is a cash grab. Yes, it is. Um, regardless of how good or how bad the draft is, a lot of people's salaries are on the line <laughs> for the for draft. Again, no matter how good or how bad the draft is, if you're representing somebody and they're drafted within the lottery, mm-hmm. you're getting paid. That agent. If, if you're top three, you're really getting paid. And that's why I tell you, I was gonna get so, to like that's another reason agents got they 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 pockets. And, and worry. So sometimes I really feel bad. Sometimes you know you get an agent who will steer somebody to another team, 
that may not be the best situation for them because it's a better contract and they're going to get a better cut uh, of that contract. I find that agents these days, I, I know quite a few now um, over the past like couple of years, I've, I've been working with them Vampire, in different things. Um, they've kind of attached themselves to the longevity of a player, a longevity of right. a musician, a, a, you know, a longevity of a celebrity. And I think that what the problem is they have to, it's a, it's a catering business in a way mm -hmm. they have to cater to the wants of their client or else the client will find somebody else. Right. So even if they might not philosophically agree with what the client wants, they have to kind of make it what they want and they have to do it with a smile on their face. Right. Mm -hmm. Well, um, talking about that, let's get into SmackDown. Um, this week's SmackDown wasn't too bad. <laughs> wow. <laughs> it wasn't too bad. <laughs> First of all, I watched SmackDown this morning. I caught up on both weeks. So I finally okay. watched last week's and then I watched this week's. Uh -huh. I cannot stress enough. Roman Reigns. <laughs> Bruh. <laughs> it's so good. Whoa. Like, so good. Call me bro. the tribal chief. Whoa. Roman Reigns, man. brother. If you if that's not how you holding yourself in the bedroom as a dude walking <laughs> in it, call me the tribal chief. Roman Reigns, two words. Roman Reigns, yes. big money. Oh my god! And I've been saying it for a very long yes. time. And every time I speak about it, I spoke about it on the eleven thirty podcast, which I was just on. Shouts to um, Dre and Wills. Um, I said it, and I said that you said it. That Tay has been saying for the longest that Roman is money, and and. Again, it's agreed upon, and it makes sense. Now, if you look at last night's interaction between Roman and Drew, Roman basically was like, listen, you did what you had to do. I see you. I see you. I'm here now. I'm back. So go back to whatever you were doing, but I'm back. Have such you know what I love? Too. You know what I love yeah. about oh the, the Roman, the Roman uh, interactions, too? People, when Heyman got paired with Roman... People on he thought Roman wasn't going to talk and Heyman was going to do a lot of the talking. And Heyman's just showing his great versatility as well, where unlike what he does with Brock, where he does all of the talking mm -hmm. and Brock just comes in and whips butt, right? Roman's talking for himself. Roman's cutting his own promos. Heyman hasn't really been doing a lot of that. Heyman's really been a character in the background of Roman, kind of a reactionary character, which I think is great because we're so used to seeing Paul going out there and cutting the beautiful promos and, 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 and putting people's butts in seats with what he has to say and not necessarily being as reactionary outside of matches, right? When Brock would get beat or whatever, or something would happen, he'd be very reactionary outside the ring. But really, it's those small psychological reactions that Heyman has to the things that Roman does. Like when, when Roman, two weeks ago, which is the one you caught up on, when he was talking to Jay and then sends Jay off, and then he's talking to Heyman, not even looking at Heyman, but you can see the fear, the psychological fear on Heyman behind Roman, right? When you see... Uh, when you saw the Roman and Jay matches mm -hmm. and you saw what Roman was doing to Jay, even sometimes Paul was outside the ring looking terrified. Mm -hmm. Like, yo, what is going on here? And I take it back to that first promo that Heyman did when he first started aligning himself with Roman where he said, I didn't corrupt Roman. Mm -hmm. Roman 
corrupted me. Mm-hmm. And it's this beautiful psychological behind the scenes story that we're seeing with them. Roman is money. I've always said that. I never I didn't necessarily like the way they were doing babyface Roman for a long I time. So I feel like Roman is so comfortable with the character that he's portraying right now. So comfortable as a heel. It comes off so effortlessly. The internet smarks didn't give him a chance to be comfortable in the role that he was before. Mm. If they had had some patience, you get what I'm saying? If they were not so dead set against this man, those were good, good storylines. The one with him and Triple H was a great storyline leading up into that WrestleMania match between the two of them. It's just that the fans were just yeah. trapped. To me, they were just trapped. You know what I think they, they it is? They on everything. Right? Everything. You know what everything. I think it was? And it wasn't – Roman was a victim of circumstance because I don't think it was necessarily Roman. I think it would have been anybody in that similar situation, and here's why. Because we were literally going from the John Cena era and people feeling like John Cena had been stuffed down everyone's throats for a long time to now kind of like this hand-picked golden boy. There were just, two catalysts. There were two, three big catalysts behind that. And let's, well, no, but and I let's think, talk about that, that but I think rumble that that, when he, right. he was supposed to win and he killed right. everybody. And I think that whole thing, it was just like people were just like, oh, my God, we got so sick of seeing Super Cena, and now we're getting Super Roman. But he wasn't right? booked that way. No, no, but I think that's what people perceive, yeah. right? That's what people perceive. Because I think when you look at, like, the guys who were the top of the business, right? Mm-hmm. Hogan, for the most part, people will say – Hogan, especially in his later years, the reason why people started booing Hogan as a baby face in the WWE was because they felt like he'd been pushed down everyone's throat for too long of a time at that point. He got stale. And then, right. right, that's what I'm saying. But that, you know, and then it kind of like tailed off. We didn't really have, Brett was a top guy, but Brett felt almost organic, right? Sean felt somewhat organic. Sean felt pushed and rushed too for the time. But, I, but I, you know, for me as a kid, I felt like, because I saw, and you did too as well, the rise of Sean from like rocker Sean to heel Sean to then kind of DX Sean. Like it felt like I wanted all of it, right? Right, Then when we got Austin and Rock, Mm -hmm. we had seen this transformation of Rock going from a floundering baby face to being a background guy in the nation to kind of exploding on his own. Austin had been floundering for years and then exploded, right? But I think with the Cena, and Cena was organic for a while, and then Cena became stale. And then I felt like people just got upset at the fact where it was just like, oh, so you're just going to replace Cena with Roman. Mm-hmm. But Because we saw who were the people booing Roman. It was mostly the grown crowd. The women love Roman. The kids love Roman. I think there were a lot of people who had grown up in that Cena era that just booed Roman a lot, and I feel bad for Roman. Roman didn't start getting booed until he was buried on that CM Punk podcast with Colt Cabana. Mm. That's one of the that's one That of the was catalysts. strike one. That's one of the catalysts. That happened just 5 or 4 weeks before that Royal Rumble. And mm. this was the first these were the first comments that CM Punk were made after his tumultuous exit from the company. Mm-hmm. So him saying something about make Roman look strong and how he wanted to catch his Ono in the shield instead of Roman and then Everyone wanted that magic recreated of the Yes movement with Daniel Bryan. Right. So I don't feel like, yeah, Roman got that Cena type of um, label, but that didn't come from the company. That came from the. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I agree with you. You get what I'm saying? And I also agree with that scene that, that Roman got the raw end of the deal because Roman, I'm not saying that he wasn't good. Let me finish. I didn't like it, but. Yeah, let me finish, yeah. right? Roman was put. 
everybody Roman was facing at that time, the shield elevated everyone else. Yes, you know what I'm saying? Set that that whole storyline with him, Seth, and Dean that carried on the whole entire year. You get what I'm saying? And it was just bringing up people like the Rusevs. You were starting to see other people from that era trying to kind of be in the main event scene. You get what I'm saying? But the the, the internet fans did not give them a chance at all. And it's a, it's a 15%. It's like the 15% being louder than the 85%. And the 15% is who we see on Facebook every day. So we think that they're the majority when they're really the minority. And that, sh- and that sucked. Uh-huh. He uh-huh. was in some good storylines. That shield breakup, all that stuff that, that lasted for a year, that, that was great storytelling you know what i'm saying this is somebody who you know i watch from time i was you know i watch from time to time it's like i've been trying to watch now but getting back to smackdown right right roman's delivery of things like you do say i do agree he looks very comfortable uh-huh. where he is um even uh jay uso did you see how he was trying to brutalize drew mcintyre yeah how he looked like he was trying to beat the brakes off of drew he tried to beat Drew like he owed him money. Yeah. <laughs> and what I'm really also liking, too, I didn't see Carmella's um, resurgence when uh-huh. it first happened. But, boy, does she look strong. Uh-huh. Yep. Back-to-back weeks. Let Listen, back-to-back weeks, you keep, you look, you setting up your challenger, your next challenger to look strong because Carmella essentially has to go through Bailey to get to Sasha. Right. Bailey's in the position to make Carmella look strong because uh-huh. Bailey has been dominant for the past year. You do that. Um, Mella is money still. Hell Mella yeah. is yep. still money. Um, I, like I said, she just needed a chance to be money. She's getting the actual push she was supposed to get when she had the money in the break, bank briefcase. Um. We're talking. Uh, what else happened on SmackDown? Liv Morgan. Mm. Um, she's on the Survivor Series team with her partner Ruby Riot and Bianca Belair. And unfortunately, uh, a side effect of of that of that match, which is really good. Unfortunately, Chelsea Green making her SmackDown debut, mm-hmm. and then unfortunately having to go on the shelf, oh, uh, yeah. breaking her wrist in that match. Oh, yeah. get well soon. Um, um, and and it's, it's, yeah, it's really sad because it's like she's had she had a, a small little push on Raw. Got injured, sat on the shelf for a little while. Now trying to can't re- research, uh, reappear on SmackDown last night. Immediately got injured. I feel bad for her, but Chelsea's going to be really good once she can get healthy and and be on and be on uh, TV and a story for a while. Chelsea's going to be real good. I want to see Liv Morgan get the type of run that Paige unfortunately couldn't get because of injury. I think so. I I think um, Liv can handle that. Yeah. I think I think yeah. she can handle that. She, I loved I loved it last night, and she has so much personality. Um, now I was on the fence when she changed up first from kind of the um the Harley Quinn s uh, character to what she is now, but you know it makes sense. Some people have to change in order to move forward, and I think that parts of her character now can still show. You know that original um, Riot Squad character, like when we talk about the Undertaker, when the Undertaker went to American Badass, he showed parts of yeah. of Ministry and 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 original Undertaker. Um, Otis defeated Ziggler, good, um, and then got recruited, and then got recruited by um, 
Chad Gable looking like another American alpha that's going to happen. Yep. Um, Which is great because a lot of people don't know, like Otis and Tucker both have collegiate wrestling experience. Yes. Um, and so I really like that kind of only having like a shoot stable with like Olympic guys and stuff like that who can, who can work because Otis can work. I mean, people forget that sometimes character takes over and dictates what some of these wrestlers do in the ring. Mm -hmm. But some of them can really go. That's like what I was saying about um, Ali not too long ago, and 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 um, Sue Young when Sue was Susie. Yeah, like these are just characters. They can go. Yeah, <laughs> like they can go. We've seen we've seen Sue Young go in person, and it's it's something else. Almost took a world title right. in the process. Oh, Definitely, <laughs> almost took a world title. In the process. Um, we got y'all with that one. Yeah. That was good. The conclusion to. The Mysterio family. Finally. Well, no, it's not the conclusion yet because we still gotta wait yet. for the. We gotta <laughs> wait for the wedding. We gotta loved, wait for the wedding. I love that ending, and you know, shout out to the family of um Eddie Guerrero. We heard that you know yesterday was 15 years <sighs> marking of his tragic and uh his tragic passing, and seeing Ray pay tribute to him um last night during that match is a really big deal. Um, Eddie Guerrero was one of my favorites from. Back in the days when I was young, Same. WCW days, I loved Eddie. Cried when he died. Oh, I felt terrible. I re I'll never forget where I was. Um, and, and I he wasn't was supposed even watching to, wrestling at that time. He was supposed I, to be on a Survivor Series team. He his final match was, was on Kennedy. SmackDown against Kennedy and a winning qualifier. Right, and winning that match got him a spot on the Survivor Series team, and he didn't oh, make it man. to Survivor Series. Ugh. You know, when I when I think of I think of like Eddie Guerrero's and Brian Pillman, who's my favorite wrestler of all time. <sighs> so underrated. Yeah. My favorite of all time. Um, last night was really nice to see the the little shimmy and the mm -hmm. you know the frog splash, but um, I loved how it ended because now you could set up maybe more of a evolved Dominic and um, Buddy Murphy type of pairing or yeah. you know seeing because I like I said I feel like Seth's time is kind of winding down because I think Becky should be giving birth any time now. From what we think. Yeah, from from the time. And if you look at how um, it happened with Daniel Bryan and, 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 and um, Bree, right. um, Daniel Bryan, after the Intercontinental Championship uh, match against AJ, he was gone for seven, eight months. If, if I'm not mistaken, so, WrestleMania was in April, mm -hmm. which means that if Becky was... Um, she, she, I think she was so Becky there. was... Becky, Pregnant sometime April May because Money in the Bank is so December. When she, yeah. yeah, yeah, no, yeah, January maybe February. I think she maybe do not if that far. March not April nine months. December December she's gonna be yeah December okay. December, December early December. January. Yeah, so yeah, he might be getting ready to take some paternal time. So maybe maybe this will be a good time to kind of you know elevate Buddy. Right, and um, like I was saying before, uh, like you said it, and I think you said it too. Putting them in a tag team will benefit Dominic. Both of them. It, it, yeah, it would benefit Murphy because of the name value next to him and having to be with Rey Mysterio for most for the most part. Um, and then Dominic having he's Buddy Murphy's not a veteran, but he's been around long enough to still show you some things, and you've been in a ring with him together. So I think um Dominic just has Dominic just has some cleaning up to do. You see, well, I never make comments on how they do in the ring. I feel like they both because where do they go from here? Right. Yeah. In the in the universe, right? Where do they go from here? The best thing because who does the street profits realistically have to face? 
Nobody. There's like two other teams. Like, Cesaro and Nakamura. No, they're all, yeah, they're still there. Yeah, they're they're I guess. And then also shout outs to those photo shoots that they did yeah, for W we'll for take uh, Taker Undertaker. 30. Yeah. They everyone who did a photo shoot killed it. I love mm-hmm. the one with uh Jeff Hardy and Alexa Bliss. I think that was yes, my favorite. I think that was dope. Um and I saw a clip, Alexa Bliss. I want to give her a lot of credit. I saw a clip on Instagram where she did uh she did recreated step for step the eye for eye dance from Goofy Movie. Oh man, and it was great. I was that's like, "Wow, a, that's an underrated cl- Disney movie like, classic." I was like, "Yo, Alexa was getting it in." I'm gonna put that at the end of this. Yeah, I think. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, listen, it's funny because they let they they YouTube they, is gonna be, be monetized. <laughs> they let they let Roman they let Roman say it, but I think it's it's completely accurate. What Roman said to Drew in the beginning of the show. Nobody's watching Raw. <laughs> Nobody's watching Raw because everybody's watching SmackDown. <laughs> Yo, when I saw that, I, I was so. We have sweat. We I'm telling you guys too on there. We have sweaters coming out soon for for next month. Um, I'm gonna show you guys seen the logo before. Um, I don't think you've seen it. Okay, you, you've definitely seen it. Um, and I, when he said that, I'm like, man, I wish I could drop these these now for for <laughs> for, for uh for the virus series because oh man, because I felt that. Yeah, I felt that because I didn't watch Raw this week. Sammy, Sammy, <laughs> I skimmed through Raw. I'm like, uh, hurt business, okay. Yeah, Drew, okay. All right, I'm out. Like, Sammy, Sammy, Apollo was a really good match. Yeah, and it didn't count out. Yeah, but, uh, but you know what? It just goes with Sammy's character being the smartest dude in the room. Um, Sammy's a star, man. And, and I mean, I've been watching Sammy since he was in Ring of Honor. Uh, under his previous character, who is now dead after crossing the border and going back to Mexico. That wasn't Sammy uh, Zayn. You got to stop talking right, about that. Right, right, right. <laughs> uh, but, you know, Sammy, Sammy's really, really good. And I love the way they utilize him. Um, for a long time, I thought Sammy was going to go the same route of like Cesaro and Naka and just got like kind of like pushed to the side and forgotten. Um, the one last wrestling note I want to make about WWE, I hate to say this. Every week that I watch Raw, uh-huh. I get more and more comfortable with the idea and the voice of Samoa Joe on commentary. And every week that I watch Raw, I have to fight myself to not me. get comfortable it's, about it because I, I need that man back in a ring. Yes, right? I love but him he's so right. Too, so do I. He's so great at commentary, but damn it, I want Samoa Joe back in a ring. Right. And I you know, love him. and, and the funny thing is, uh, Heyman did a shoot interview one time when they were talking about Goldberg and Lesnar, it being like a 60, uh, a 40, uh, something 60, uh, 87, 87 second match, right? And he was talking about how there was nobody else believable to beat Goldberg, uh, to beat Brock in 87 seconds, right? Nobody else in the WWE. And somebody yelled out Samoa Joe. And Paul Heyman said, and you can find this on YouTube, Paul Heyman said, no, no. I wouldn't want to see Samoa Joe versus Brock Lesnar for 87 seconds. I want to see it for 87 minutes, right? And he put over Samoa Joe and talking about how had he been able to work with Joe two years prior with Brock, right? It would have been a bloodbath. They would have gone 30, 40 minutes. It would have been a, an old school bloodbath kind of match. And I can't lie. I want to see somebody like a Samoa Joe going up against this this type of a Roman Reigns. I want to see Samoa Joe going up against Randy Orton right now. I want to see Samoa Joe going up against Drew McIntyre. 
with what we know about right with what we know about Samoa Joe and what his legacy has been to see him go up against those characters would be he had a good story with Roman in the past yes from what I can remember that was really good yeah and my favorite story with Samoa Joe Wendy Wendy oh my god hey Wendy AJ and Joe is always gonna be my favorite one of my favorite wrestling. When Joe movies. came out and cut on everybody? Yes. On SmackDown? Like everybody. Oh Yo, he God. made Randy Orton crack up when he said to Jeff Hardy, yeah. treat this like an AA meeting, sit in the corner, wait till you hand, till you hand is, it's your turn to talk. That was grimy. Yo, but Randy Orton almost died laughing in the ring. But, ladies and gentlemen, that was SmackDown. Let us know what you think. Okay, wrapping this up. This week's pick five. Let's just get to this quickly. Because <laughs> we know he, you know what he's going to say. I'm not going to do it. Tell you, you know what he's going to say. I'm not going to do it. I already posted the video. You know what he's going to say. Not, I ain't going to do it. Yes, you are. I'm not. Yes, you are. We don't have time for it. Okay. <laughs> I would do it. You see? He, he was planning to do it. I had the video up. I was going to do it, but I did. <laughs> so. <Yeah. laughs> he took that okay. personal. Bears. <laughs> I took that I personal. And I, I took it personal. Yes. Let's start with Bears and Vikings. Come on, Peter. What you think? <laughs> bears? What you think? I'm going with the Bears. You going with the Bears? Mm-hmm. <sighs> Let me write this bears down. Bears are currently 4-0 against the Vikings in their last few pairings. Yeah, but the Bears are also 5-4. <laughs> I keep losing. <laughs> um, I'm going to go. Vikings, with... next week is their schedule week to start turning shit, turning stuff up. Yeah, okay? yeah, that's the Vi- yeah, that's why I'm about to be the Vikings. It, it, it is time. It's <laughs> game time. So I'm taking the Vikings. Who am I taking, Dre? The Vikings. Yes, I am. All right. I refuse to take the Chicago pit. <laughs> I refuse. Ravens, Pats. Well, it was good. It was a good bounce back for the Patriots, <laughs> right? Good one week bounce back. They barely won. Yeah, but they, they still won, right? They still won. Thank you, Patriots, for winning. Uh, we are now 0 and 9 at the Jets. <laughs> I need everybody to keep beating the Jets so we can go 0 and 16 and get the number one pick in the draft. And uh, which probably won't be the quarterback y'all think. Uh, he it better be Trevor Lawrence. It he better might be. stay. Um, it better be. Switch me to Vikings. We'll take Fields. <laughs> oh, <laughs> go with the Vikings. <laughs> well, you know what? Let me sleep on that. But, but Pete, you got to remind me in the morning, please. You will set undecided. <laughs> We're not doing this this week. Tay trying to call. Take here's what Tay gonna do. Tay gonna go home tonight. She's gonna call her bookie, and she's gonna be like, "What's the line? What's the money on this?" Right. And then she's gonna make the pick. Uh, That's exactly what I'm gonna do. <laughs> so, um, Ravens, Pats, uh, Ravens, Ravens. Ravens as well. Seahawks and Rams. Oh, that's a rough one. I'm going with the Rams. I know I, my mind is saying Seahawks, but hard to say. The Rams defense has been great this year. Seahawks defense has been terrible. But I'm going to take the Seahawks because I think the Seahawks offense much better than the Rams offense. Mm-hmm. I trust in Russell Wilson more than I do that entire Rams offense. So I'm taking the Seahawks. Okay. Okay. You got to pick this one. You already used your your your, your undecided card. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, Seahawks. Okay. Bills, Cardinals. This is tough. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm going with the Bills. You finally picked some good games this week. Uh, the last ones were, were kind of like like jokes, <laughs> but this one, yeah. I I looked through them. I'm like, yeah, okay. I I have to give them something. So I'm going with the Bills. Who lost? Did the Bills lose last week? 
No, Bills. I think Bills won last. Beat, Bills beat the Seahawks. They killed the Seahawks last but week. But I think they lost. Did they? I'm no, going with the Cardinals. Did they? They lost to the Colts, right? Uh, they might have played them at home. Yeah. Yeah, they lost to the. I'm taking the Bills. I think that that win against the Seahawks last week really revitalized the Bills. It showed them that they got to do something. I feel like they know they have to do a lot to win. Right now, this division is between the Bills and and Miami, in my opinion. Uh, and the well, Bills, Titans, Titans, yeah, the I Bills think. know that Miami's going to catch up, mm-hmm. so the Bills got to step it up. I love Kyler Murray. I love what they're doing in Arizona, but mm-hmm. I think jo- to me, Josh Allen has to be one of the most underrated players in the NFL right now. So, gotcha. Who did you pick? She took the Cardinals. Cardinals. Bills. I'm taking the Bills. I take the Bills. Chargers, Dolphins for the final one. Why you do this to me? I'm going with uh, – I want to go with the Chargers. <laughs> but they keep losing by, like, by one touchdown or one point. Like This might be the week. This might be it. But I'm gonna go with uh, no. I don't like two. I hate. Right I hate now. this. Um, I th- I Tua played real well last it week. Did but I'm gonna go with the Chargers this time. I'm gonna go with the Chargers. You can't use your undecided card. You already used it, so <laughs> you got to choose one. But does it matter if you don't care about either team? Yes, you still yeah, got to pick. Got to pick. Like, I wasn't. Gonna, what? There's a Giants game on here. I think they playing but, the Eagles. Yeah, nobody cares about that. Like that. I care because the, the first lose, team to get the five wins. If they like, lose, I'm 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 gonna be trolling Wilkins all week. The Eagles are gonna win that game. Yeah, but we're not counting. That, that'll, that'll just be between us. But um, who y'all got? Um, everybody likes the Dolphins for this one. Yeah, I'm going with the Chargers. So uh, I'm gonna go with the Dolphins. Pete, uh. You know, I think my boy right now, I think he's like, he's... Who you got, Pete? <laughs> the man who I believe who should win rookie of the year, I'm taking Justin Herbert and, and the Chargers. I think this is the week. That boy has gotten the short end of the stick for what, five, six weeks now? It's time. It's time. He's got to blow it up. He's got to blow it up this week. Yes. As we wrap up another episode of the Your Sports Show, can you believe this is episode 39? Episode 39. We're on our way to... Which will be the next WrestleMania that will actually have fans. Right. Hopefully. <laughs> but, because um, of Rona. Right. Uh, <laughs> shout out to the Job Chase Network, of course. They're doing the Survivor Series viewing party next Sunday. Um, please come because it may be the last one of the year because the way... The way uh, 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 what is his name? Daddy Cuomo. Yeah, Papa Cuomo is is playing. Well, Wanna... he's not playing. He, he, he no, but look down. what look what people are doing. You know, listen. I just saw people's Snapchats where it, where it was a whole big party and everybody was together. I'm just like, I want to be like, we should probably not be there, but it might be part of the problem. But I keep whatever. sharing that Instagram post. The pandemic isn't over just because you're over it, right? But um. Shouts to BK Matt. Yes, he'll be back on next week. Shout out to you guys, my lovely, my lovely team. Are Come we doing team. a post Thanksgiving show? Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh yeah, we'll, we'll figure something out for that. Yeah, one. two weeks post Thanksgiving, be in here with some turkey, <laughs> some penil. We're gonna be in here. Yeah, I cook a mean. Um, um, Amanda just made some penil. I can imagine. Don't don't say penil. Right. 
Pernil. Don't don't say Pernil. I am American. <laughs> Leave me alone. I'm, I'm, I'm gonna Pernil. I am gonna Pernil. culture Pernil. you, man. I can't <laughs> I can't roll my R's. Right. So I that's why, either. yeah, I can't I roll can't my R's. So I'm like Bernie. <laughs> I gotcha. I gotcha. Bernie. <laughs> I can't roll my R's. For y'all, y'all just say roast pork. Okay, that's it. Pork shoulder. There we go. But again, shot two and a half bros. It's a zone talk with Janelle and Amanda that just debuted this week. Very good. Um, And of course, the Job Tits podcast. We talked about the anniversary of Eddie Guerrero. Their last episode was on with Shaw Guerrero. So definitely listen to that. Um, She looks just like him. Just like him. Wow. Right. Viva la raza. So beautiful. Beautiful. On behalf of the entire Jabba Tears Network and my team here at the Your Sports Show, it is your boy, Big Baby, signing off. Peace. Peace.